9 degrees Celsius and relative humidity some 70%. And the standby signal number one is currently in force. That's the news and weather from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Philip Wong. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Danny. In our main topic today, we're going to be looking at what impact bad air has on how long you live, as a new report warns that worsening air pollution is the greatest global threat to human health. The University of Chicago study found that such pollution reduced life expectancy by an average of at least two years, and in some countries up to five years, far more than smoking, drinking or even malnutrition. But there was good news from China, where the country's success in reducing air pollution by more than 40% is likely to translate into Chinese citizens living an average of two years longer. So just how serious is air pollution? Why is Hong Kong's life expectancy still the best in the world despite the city's serious air pollution? Later in the program, we're going to be asking why the eyesight of Hong Kong children is getting so much worse. Let us know what you think on both topics. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. Uh, that's Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, or you can email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. We have several guests joining us uh, to discuss uh, this issue of air pollution, and particularly its link to life expectancy this morning. The first of it, our guest is uh, Patrick Fung. Patrick Fung is the CEO of uh, Clean Air Network. Uh, good morning, Mr. Fung. Welcome to Backchat. Hi, good morning. Okay, now I, I should mention this study. This study is by the uh, University of Chicago's Energy Policy Institute. It's an air quality life index. Um, really quite extraordinary, alarming uh, figures in this uh, study. I was just, just, just looking at it, it says around the world, uh, 17.8 billion, that's billion, 17.8 billion life years are lost uh, due to air pollution. And it says that's more than three times um, the effects of alcohol and safe water and more than five times the um, uh, the impact of uh, of traffic accidents and so on. Uh, so, um, uh, Patrick Fong, maybe we can just start at mm -hmm. a bro broader level. We'll fo certainly focus in on Hong Kong in a bit. But um, I, I think most people right. don't realise just quite, well, certainly I didn't until I read this report, quite what a huge impact um, air pollution is having on, on how long people live around the world. Right, indeed. Um, I think that's not um, surprising if we look at um, all the scientific um, development or finding uh, in, in a long-term basis. So uh, in recent years, there are more and more evidence showing that um, air pollution is correlated to uh, basically all parts of the body. So from the head uh, to the heart and then uh, to um, uh, uh, other part of the organs, uh, circulatory system and then uh, respiratory system, there are a lot of um, um, influence um, due to air pollution on the body. So I, I'm not uh, very surprised that air pollution um, does have uh, a strong impact on, on life expectancy as well. I'm just thinking about, you know, Danny said about the global impact. But five years is, is a lot of years taking away <laughs> between two to five. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we don't usually think about it a lot, but it's just when we look outside, we see that smog. That's part of the air pollution, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, right, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and um, if, if, if you look at um, other causes of, um, of death, and uh, of course, we, we'll see uh, more, more tangible causes, like uh, traffic accidents, and then, and then we think about um, cigarette smoking, and then also um, um, drinking, etc. But then uh, there's something in the air that uh, we, we don't know, but then we, we are breathing in 
those um, maybe toxic pollutant in a in a uh, in every minute, in every second. So that's why I think uh, the accumulated uh, long-term health impact to uh, individual health um, um, is massive. Uh, where do these usually come from, though? We talk a lot about air pollution, and a lot of the times I know people talk about, you know, in particular air particulates, like, uh, for example, PM 2.5 and PM 10. But can you just talk about, you know, what that exactly really is? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are um, toxic uh, items, there are toxic materials that are, um, that are airborne, and then um, they come from different different kinds of human activities. Uh, for example, power generation, uh, road transport, uh, marine um, vessels, um, and then um, um, in different kinds of chemical reactions, such as um, um, under high level of sunlight, there will be ozone, etc. So these are the um, uh, toxic pollutants that um, are airborne in the air. And then uh, we are living in very close proximity to the, all these pollutants. It could be in the outdoor environment. And uh, when we are on the roadside, uh, these pollutants, for example, emitted by the road transport, and then uh, they are kind of trapped um, in the streetscape uh, by the tall buildings aside. And then these outdoor pollutants can, um, can be... Um, um, brought in into the indoor environment as well. Um, uh, although we, we, we may have uh, air conditioning, uh, we may have other kind of ventilation, but then there is still um, leakage at some point that um, uh, cannot 100% block uh, the transmission of air pollution from the outdoor to indoor. So uh, basically, we are potentially exposed to um, these uh, toxic pollutants uh, basically uh, 24-7. Now, air pollution is a serious problem pretty much all, all the way around the world. I, there was a recent study from the World Health Organization mm. found that um, 90% of people globally are living in places with air quality. But um, this air quality life index um, from the University of Chicago, the one that's come out this week and has been the focus for, for this show, it, it shows it's not evenly, this is, the impact's not evenly spread. It's much worse in some parts of the world. That alarming figure of losing five years of uh, your life on average, that's for Bangladesh, India, Nepal, Pakistan. I mean, by contrast, uh, in the US, I think it's only reducing um, uh, average life expectancy by a, a few months. So it, it seems to be, uh, isn't it, that um, Patrick Fung is uh, the richer countries, um, it, the, mm. the impact on, on, on average is less severe than the poorer countries. Yes, indeed. Um, I think that has been an uh, a observation from the science field uh, for some years. Um, not only in the international study like this one, but then also on local study back in Hong Kong, um, this kind of um, uh, social uh, or environmental injustice, uh, meaning that um, the poor people in the poor places, uh, the underprivileged people may be exposed to um, higher level or high concentration of air pollution, which also imply a stronger financial um, health and then social economic costs uh, to um, these people. So I, I think that is something uh, we have overlooked. Of course, as an NGO focused on clean air, we concern that a lot. Um, but then I, I think that message has not been uh, spread out. And then when we look at it uh, from a global point of view, I think one um, point that um, uh, rightly pointed out by the report is that um, the technology to, to um, either uh, monitor this uh, pollution level or the technology to mitigate or resolve this problem um, has been so underfunded, under-resourced in these um, um, less privileged um, jurisdictions. 
So I think there's a, in general, there's a very strong um, environmental um, uh, disparity uh, uh, that has been shown in this report. And it has, it, it, is, it is aligning with our observation over the past, uh, like a, a decade. I think what, what you're saying, and also from the, from the report, is that a lot of it, it's actually coming from the Asian countries where they're actually trying to catch up in terms of catching up with, you know, the U.S. and the European countries. So they're really focusing a lot more on economic growth more so than other factors, isn't it? And at this point in time, should they be looking in to air pollution as well? Um, I think uh, after COVID, the situation does change and then Mm. uh, the context change. If you look at um, the well-being of of a place, if we put into account of public health and then how uh, healthy people are, uh, th- it, this all can be translated into dollar sign. And in a uh, very conventional cost-benefit analysis, if we are able to spend uh, more money, for example, every one dollar uh, spent to um, at, at the upper stream to tackle the problem, uh, maybe at the uh, downstream we could save seven dollars. Uh, that is some uh, study done by the U.S. Um, that is to tackle all kinds of um, um, environmental health risks. But uh, I think that mentality has been um, uh, uh, more emphasized after COVID. And then I think, uh, as you rightly point out, I think um, a lot of countries are looking at economic development, that's right. But then at the same time, I think the technology to deal with environmental health risk could be a opportunity for growth, especially for business growth. If you look at all kinds of um, um, electric um, uh, technology out there, electric uh, vehicle, and then uh, charging facility, uh, etc. And then not to mention the hydrogen economy. So these are the new areas um, that I think a lot of countries, including um, uh, China, Japan, Australia, uh, US, and then Europe are looking into. But then these are all uh, relatively uh, uh, more privileged countries. And then if you look at um, uh, the whole, uh, for example, Global South, there are more countries out there who, which are not um, uh, resourceful enough uh, to get into these kind of um, uh, competition. And then um, I think uh, gradually in the long term, as long as these kind of products um, uh, will hit some point that uh, the, the price will go down and then um, uh, the less privileged country will, will, will get the, uh, uh, will, will, will be more um, affordable for this country to access to this uh, product to solve their problem. Okay, we're discussing uh, air pollution on the uh, back of a, uh, a study that actually the Air Quality Life Index from the University of Chicago, which had the alarming figure that um, average uh, life expectancy about around the world is reduced by more than two years because of um, uh, air, the levels of air pollution in different parts of the world. You just heard uh, Patrick Fung, who's the CEO of Clean Air Network. If you have any thoughts, uh, do email us at backchat at rthk or hk and leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. And let's now bring in the second of our guests who's just joined us. Uh, Dr. Wong Zi is an adjunct professor at the School of Public Health and Primary Care at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Uh, good morning, Dr. Wong. Welcome to Backchat. Good morning to you. Uh, now, so far, we've been talking mostly at a, a, a global international level. This uh, University of Chicago Air Quality uh, Life Index with some very alarming figures at a global level. But it, it didn't mention Hong Kong. I mean, Hong Kong's not a separate country and it's, it's surveying countries. So there's Hong Kong's not specifically mentioned. But um, uh, we, we do know that uh, every year there are... Um, uh, large numbers of uh, deaths in Hong Kong, which uh, perhaps at least uh, partly air pollution uh, uh, related. Uh, 
Dr. Wong, can you, can you give us um, a, some, some sort of indication of the health effects in Hong Kong of air pollution? Well, uh, in the past, we have done uh, several uh, studies on air pollution and health impact. And uh, we estimated that in Hong Kong, uh, the uh, shortening uh, of the life expectancy uh, was in terms of, I think, about around 18 months, 18 months. So that's a bit lower than what uh, you quoted from the, uh, the uh, study. Uh, but that is not, uh, not surprising because uh, in Hong Kong, uh, well, thanks to the, the efforts in uh, air pollution control, we do have a relatively lower concentrations of uh, various pollutants like, like particulates and so on compared to other uh, countries in the, uh, Southeast Asia. So let's be clear on that because it's an important point, I'm sure. This is very interesting. You're saying based on past research, we are all in Hong Kong, we are living an average of 18 months less. Of course, it's an average, but an average of 18 yes. months less because of air pollution. Right, right. Uh, and that, but that study was a, a while ago. The situ right. situation in air pollution, there's still a lot of problems in Hong Kong, but it has improved, hasn't it, a bit in recent years? Well, it has improved a lot if you look at the trend in the concentration of various pollutants. It has been uh, the, 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 for the important pollutants like uh, PM and, and NO2, uh, they have been uh, quite a remarkable decline. In particular, the particular matters. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, the concentration of ozone has uh, somewhat increased, and that is not too surprising because uh, uh, well, ozone is uh, a bit complicated. Uh, its formation and so on is uh, is very complex, and uh, in general, we find a, a, a negative relationship, negative correlation between. PM and uh, ozone. Uh, Dr. Wang, I, I want to get a better understanding of what kind of illnesses air pollution can cause to to the human body. I myself, for example, I have asthma, and so whenever yeah. you know, whenever outside smoggy, I know I'm in for <laughs> in for some trouble. What kind of other il illnesses can well, air pollution cause? Good, good question. Mm. The uh, the, uh, the uh, what I've been uh, stating uh, comes from. Uh, various uh, so-called epidemiological studies, that is, studies of population in general. So they are, they are studies of population groups rather than individuals. And, and all these uh, studies point to the fact that uh, uh, the observation that um, there is a relationship between, for example, if we talk about deaths, deaths in the short term, uh, deaths, uh, Deaths from all causes, mm -hmm. it's related to uh, air pollution. And also um, illnesses, like, for example, uh, illnesses that are uh, serious enough to warrant hospital admissions. Uh, and I'm talking about illness groups in general, uh, uh, respiratory illnesses and uh, circulatory disease, circulatory uh, uh, disease of the circulatory system. For these two groups, the relationship between air pollution and, um, and the uh, risk of these diseases is quite definite.
And specifically, if you go to specific diseases, like for example, you mentioned asthma, uh, other diseases like chronic obstructive uh, lung diseases, uh, commonly we abbreviated it as COPD, and that's a group of diseases like chronic bronchitis, emphysema, and so on, uh, diseases of the elderly. Uh, these are, are quite uh, uh, specifically shown to be uh, associated with air pollution. Let's go back to uh, <coughs> Patrick Fung, CEO of Clean Air Network, and particularly on this rather alarming uh, statistic that um, um, we can, on average, in Hong Kong, expect to die 18 months earlier because of um, uh, air, air pollution. Um, Patrick Fung, earlier on, you were saying, of course, um, that impact is not evenly spread, and uh, some sections mm-hmm. of the community uh, life expectancy, uh, and you certainly say, uh, particularly in um, sort of poorer groups, uh, life expectancy is probably mm-hmm. reduced by even more than that, Patrick Fung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, there are um, at least two um, uh, studies done in Hong Kong by the uh, University of Hong Kong back in 2008, and then another one in 2018 uh, by Hong Kong U.S. Well, uh, to look at how socially deprived population in Hong Kong are uh, more affected by air pollution. And uh, I, I think uh, in a way that is a concern uh, from us as well, as, as we know, after uh, COVID economic situation in Hong Kong is uh, going on a downturn and then more people are falling into um, uh, the poor um, uh, groups and then um, they are, of course they are they are de- they are dealing with all kinds of um, life problem and uh, for example housing um, um, and then uh, other kind of health issues as well but then I think in the long term if the government have to um, can can do more invest more in resources on uh, strengthening intensity and the um, and the pacing of some of the policy measures, I think that will help to um, uh, reduce the exposure uh, of um, uh, air pollution among uh, the underprivileged people. Why is it that the underprivileged are worse affected? Is it because um, they tend to live in more polluted areas? They can't afford to live in mid-levels, a place like that. Or is it because they have to work? They tend to have maybe um, manual jobs working on the streets mm. and being exposed to more pollution. Uh, Patrick Fung. Um, both scenarios are uh, are aligned with the um, uh, the science study. So, firstly, uh, in some of the area, for example, Chun Mun, Sham Shui Po, Kun Tong, these are area with uh, relatively high uh, population density, and then uh, uh, also there are pollution sources uh, that are more complicated and then uh, more rise, widespread than areas such as mid level. And in this way, I think uh, the population reside in this area are exposed to high level of pollution. And then secondly, about uh, the jobs or the occupation, uh, there are people who work um, uh, outdoor, who work uh, just next to the roadside. And uh, this could be all kinds of uh, street vendors and then uh, businesses and then uh, logistic people. And then uh, there are people who drive the car, but then they're, they are affected by emission uh, emitted by the vehicle as well. So. Um, I, I mean, in Hong Kong, there are a lot of people who are exposed uh, to air pollution in a very, very uh, regular uh, basis. So uh, I, I think at some point, if we look at how we could uh, achieve a more social, uh, socially inclusive uh, society and uh, environmental health disparity should be one thing that we should look into as well.
Okay, just before we continue, a quick uh, traffic announcement. Due to traffic accident, all lanes of the Chungtung Road, both bounds near Sham Shui Kok substation, are closed to all traffic. That means the Discovery Bay access road. So if you're coming or going from Discovery Bay, you might want to consider the ferry right now instead. Uh, let's go back to uh, Dr. Wong CY. Uh, Dr. Wong, um, how about this point we've been discussing just now about the uneven impact of air pollution and particularly affecting, uh, seems to be affecting lower income groups uh, even more? Well, this is a well-known fact, uh, 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 which has been, which have been presented in in other studies in other countries as well. So I'm not surprised that in, uh, we have the same uh, observation in Hong Kong. Uh, the the cause of this is multifactorial. It's uh, quite difficult to to single out uh, one specific cause, but uh, it's probably uh, related to uh, living environment, work, uh, proximity of the um, environment or home to the source of pollution and so on. I'm just thinking about, you know, in places in other countries like China, India, Bangladesh, obviously the air pollution, I guess, mainly comes from a lot of the factories that they have. Here in Hong Kong, I might be a bit oblivious to it. I don't think we have a lot. So, uh, Mr. Fung, Patrick Fung, where does mm-hmm. the air pollution in Hong Kong actually come from, mainly? Mm, from Hong Kong, it mainly comes from road transport, marine vessels, as well as the power generation. And then also the emission from regional uh, also affect the air quality in Hong Kong. Yeah, so you mentioned about like a region as well. Do you, do you, do you mean like, you know, air pollution from mainland China as well, like, you know, brought by, uh, by the winds? Yeah, indeed. So uh, especially, for example, uh, particular matters. And then also, as Professor Wong mentioned earlier, the ozone issues. So these are pollution that are generated um, uh, either locally or regionally. But then Hong Kong's air quality are affected by um, uh, air pollution uh, from both um, um, dimensions. You brought up a very interesting point earlier, uh, uh, Mr. Fung, about high-rise buildings. How does that affect the Mm. air pollution? Um, so imagine a uh, busy um, uh, CBD area mm. in uh, in Hong Kong or in any city, mm. and then uh, the row, uh, the traffic row are um, uh, uh, par- parallel to the traffic row. There are a tall uh, high-rise building, and then um, air pollution emitted by the road transport, um, especially from the uh, tailpipe of any, any vehicles, and then those um, air pollution are attracted uh, at the streetscape. Uh, because there is a, um, a kind of a a a, um, a, a, ve- a, a area that is um, uh, blocked that blocks the uh, the spread of the wind, and then uh, that affects the ventilation uh, of the whole streetscape, and then um, air pollution is actually um, accumulated under this scenario. So uh, if a area there is with less ventilation, uh, usually the air pollution uh, is easier to accumulate, and that. Um, uh, increase the air pollution concentration and with more concentration usually the toxicity and the health impact to individual is higher so in that case uh, for district with uh, more high-rise building and then uh, planted or developed uh, built in a way that blocks ventilation then those districts are more susceptible to uh, accumulation of um, air pollution so are you saying we should stop building more high-rise buildings patrick mm-hmm. fong I think we, we have to think about how to do it smartly. Mm. 
and uh, more uh, more generally urban planning how how much difference can that make to urban uh, to air pollution levels uh, good air, urban planning well a lot i think um there are um, places elsewhere that demonstrate even we have a um a concentration high density of high rise building uh, the air quality or the ventilation can still be good uh, we have to reserve, for example, wind corridor uh, in the district so that, um, you know, there are better ventilation. And then also how urban planning could enable more um, non-motorized vehicle uh, for people to get in and out. And that is essential. If we build a city center that allows only motorized transport, before we could turn all the motorized transport into zero emission, the air pollution will still be emitted from the tailpipe. And in that case, people who transport or live there, who commute there, who work there, have to be exposed to um, this kind of air pollution. So I think urban planning as a whole, uh, not only on the building side, but also okay. uh, on the transport side. Uh, we're going to we're going to take a break from there for the news, but uh, do stay with us because we're going to continue this discussion after the news. Remember, this University of Chicago Air Quality Life Index uh, saying that uh, life expectancy around the world is reduced by an average of two years because of high air pollution. We're hearing pretty seri- serious in Hong Kong as well. So uh, do let us know your thoughts on that topic. Uh, the uh, weather forecast: uh, sunny periods and isolated showers. It's going to be hot and dry during the day, with the maximum temperature rising to around 32 degrees in the urban areas, a couple degrees higher in the new territories but of course the outlook is the weather is going to deteriorate uh, with um, uh, windy and heavy squally showers as we all know there is a typhoon coming towards us currently at typhoon signal standby signal number one also the temperature currently 29 degrees relative humidity 71 percent it's 9 30 here's Stu Pright with the news At least uh, 10 people have been injured in a collision between a school bus and a double-decker bus in North Lantau. Police say about 20 schoolchildren were on board the school bus when the collision occurred on the North Lantau Expressway at about 8am. The observatory says it will issue strong wind signal number 3 between 3pm and 5pm today as super typhoon Sayola approaches Hong Kong. It says the weather will deteriorate in the next couple of days. It will be windy with heavy squally showers with rough conditions offshore. Kowloon Motorbus says 2,000 of its buses could be partly powered by solar energy by the end of this year. The franchise bus operator said each solar-powered bus will save 5% of fuel a day and reduce carbon emissions by up to 6 tonnes a year. And I'll have more news at 10 o'clock here on RTHK. In times of tropical cyclones, rainstorms or extreme conditions, employers and employees should make prior work arrangements, including rules on going to work, staggered releases, resuming work, working from home and making proper arrangements for employees who still have to be on duty during inclement weather. Employers should be considerate and adopt a flexible approach, ensuring employees' rights and safety. To learn more, please refer to the relevant code of practice on labor.gov.hk. Under the Kindergarten Education Scheme, the registration certificate for kindergarten admission is used as a registration document. Parents of children born on or before December 31st, 2021, who will attend K-1 in the 2024-25 school year, are required to submit applications from September to November. Application forms are available at district offices, post offices, and the Education Bureau. You can also submit applications online. For details, please visit the Education Bureau website at www.edb.gov.hk. 
Welcome back to Mad Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Philip Wong. In the second half of the show, we're going to be continuing our discussion between the relationship, on the relationship between air pollution and life expectancy on the back of some rather alarming findings from the University of Chicago Energy Policy Institute. Institute uh, their air quality life index showing that average life expectancy around the world um, is reduced by more than two years because of air pollution in some countries up to five years. And we were hearing in the uh, uh, first half of the show that the average in reduction in Hong Kong's around 18 months. Um, later on in the show, we're going to be also talking about um, uh, a, a new study showing that the eyesight of Hong Kong children is getting even worse. If you have any thoughts on either topic, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can uh, leave a message on our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio free. Uh, before we go uh, back to our guests, uh, a traffic announcement. Um, all lanes of the uh, Chung Tung uh, Road, both bound near, um, both in both directions, near Sham Shui Kok substation are closed all traffic. That's the Discovery Bay access road. Now there is an alternative route for taking buses um, to and from Discovery Bay, but obviously it's going to be slower. So if you're coming or going from uh, Discovery Bay at the moment, you might might want to reconsider your travel plans. Um, for our guests, as we continue the discussion, uh, we still have with us uh, Patrick Fung, uh, CEO of Clean Air Network, and uh, Dr. Wong Siwai from uh, the School of Public Health and Primary Care at Chinese University of Hong Kong. And we're also now joined by Dr. Shan Shan Chung. Dr. Shan Shan Chung is Senior Lecturer and Program Director for the uh, Masters in Environmental and Public Health Management at uh, Hong Kong Baptist University. Uh, 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 Dr. Shan, uh, good morning and welcome to Back Chat. Good morning. Uh, now, we've been talking a lot about uh, um, air pollution globally and indeed in Hong Kong in the first half of the show. We, we haven't touched really on the situation in China, or the, except I did mention at the beginning that um, the situation in China is, uh, the rest of China is, is still quite serious, but it, it has improved quite a lot over the last eight to ten years, hasn't it, Dr. Shan? Yes, um, according to the study and also uh, previous, uh, there, there's, uh, there are quite a lot of uh, studies on, on this. And especially the Beijing, Tianjin, Hebei uh, region, because uh, traditionally it's the, the region with um, the highest uh, level of particulates, PM2.5, and a lot of smog uh, occurred in the past. Um, yeah, there, there, there is a lot of improvement, but still, uh, it's uh, there's still more room for improvement. What, what are the other improvements that you know China should should do? Well, I actually think that um, there's a. Uh, 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 one step that can kill two birds mm. at the same time. Now, um, as far as uh, we know, uh, coal using coal um, to produce electricity and for other industrial activities uh, is one of the major source of PM 2.5 and other forms of particulates uh, and air pollutants. At the same time, it is also generating the highest um, uh, amount of uh, uh, greenhouse gas. So if um, China can advance um, its decarbonization um, uh, goal to 2050 or even earlier, I think that solves all the problem. Of course, it is something that is very difficult to be done. Um, and uh, but but I don't think it's it's um, impossible because um, China has a lot of potential for developing its own um, uh, uh, 
uh, efficient uh, strategies uh, and technologies in producing green hydrogen. And I have to emphasize that uh, it is green hydrogen, not gray hydrogen, not blue hydrogen, that um, can save um, uh, the, the air pollution situation and save people's lives. Sorry, maybe for our listeners and those of us who are not scientists, you, you might want to explain a little bit more about the significance of the difference between different colors of hydrogen. Yes, okay. Yeah, um, now, gray hydrogen uh, is the kind of hydrogen that can be produced from fossil fuel. So it's, it's not something that we really want because um, to convert uh, to or to, to, to extract uh, hydrogen from uh, fossil fuel like natural gas, um, there may be quite a lot of uh, uh, greenhouse gas to be produced uh, in the process. So gray uh, hydrogen is bad, but other... It's, t- uh, yeah, it's... it's Still hydrogen, that is the, the end product, but um, in the course of producing grey hydrogen, um, we may not be able to uh, 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 get all the benefits because uh, a lot of greenhouse gas, and some studies even say that uh, there are more greenhouse gas that is being produced than, <laughs> than saved by uh, uh, consuming the hydrogen as uh, the end products. So grey hydrogen is, mm, well, we, 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 if, if there's actually no option, it may be a first step uh, for, 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 for the technologies to be uh, on trial run on the, on the technology. And then blue hydrogen is um, very much the same, but there is some um, carbon capture uh, during the process. Uh, um, uh, but this is never uh, full and complete. So still some methane and um, carbon dioxide or other forms of greenhouse gas may escape to the atmosphere and that will still cause um, uh, uh, climate change. So that those two uh, types of hydrogen, despite being hydrogen, um, their production or generation process are not completely carbon-free. Okay, thank you very much. I mean, let's bring uh, doc, uh, let's go back to Dr. Wong. <coughs> Dr. Wong, I, I wondered if you had a, any thoughts on the um, the improvements in the situation in China. I mean, just looking at this um, University of Chicago study, it mentions it says well, that air pollution has dropped more than forty percent in China. The average person in Beijing can expect to live more than four years longer as a result. But air pollution in Beijing still um, three times more polluted than Los Angeles, the uh, most polluted major city in the U.S., uh, uh, Dr. Wong? Uh, well, uh, I, I think uh, the, the, the principle is re- reduction at source. <clears throat> so I note that uh, in China, uh, there has been a lot of uh, development in uh, 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 solar panels, uh, uh, wind turbines, and so on in in the west, especially in the northwestern part of China, well, that certainly is a, a good as uh, a, a move in the right direction. Uh, but the point, of course, is how to distribute the the, uh, the so-called clean energy uh, uh, more evenly into the the, uh, uh, for example, the coastal area of of China. Uh, which is uh, very much um, uh, dependent on fossil fuel. Like you said, Dr. Wong, I think China is moving in the right direction, although it still needs, you know, there's still room for improvement. What about in Hong Kong, though? So, Patrick Fung, what have we been doing in in Hong Kong in terms of reducing um, the air pollution? I think in Hong Kong... um well, we, 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 are look, we are taking reference uh, from um, other jurisdictions as well mm-hmm. uh, to deal with, uh, for example, particular metals, uh, sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, etc. 
uh, in different phases. And then uh, briefly, uh, we, uh, the government is uh, investing on the policy to deal with, uh, for example, converting uh, old diesel commercial vehicle into, um, um, uh, for example, Euro 5, Euro 6 um, uh, vehicles. They, these are the trucks and lorries. And then on the marine side, um, there are significant improvement uh, since 2015 when Hong Kong became the first port in Asia uh, to mandate fuel switch of birth. But this, this policy solution has been done like um, um, nearly seven, seven to eight years ago. Mm. And going forward, because um, uh, these are all low-hanging fruit, going forward, it would be more challenging. We have to um, uh, plan further. Uh, for example, uh, clean energy, uh, road transport is needed. More discussion is needed for marine vessels. And then also on power generation, how do we increase uh, the percentage, the portion for renewable energy? And then for regional pollution, we have to tackle, for example, ozone also with the Guangdong uh, and GBA governments. Now, I'm sure many of our listeners are listening to sort of a rather alarming discussion this morning about how, um, on average, life expectancy in Hong Kong is reduced by 18 months because of high air pollution and wondering what uh, personally they can do to actually sort of um, uh, reduce the effects of air pollution on them. I mean, we, for the last couple of years, we've all been wearing uh, face masks because of uh, COVID. Uh, but um, how far does that help in terms of uh, particulates, um, uh, Dr. Wong? Well, its, uh, it's uh, effectiveness is limited. Uh, first, uh, not all uh, face masks are able to filter off uh, the fine particulates. Uh, you have to wear uh, uh, fairly, fairly uh, uh, tight uh, face mask. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry to interrupt. N95 or something like that. Yeah, something like that. N95 and N95. Uh, actually, it means only uh, it, it filter off 95 percent, and, and of course, I mean that would already make uh, 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 normal activity quite uh, quite uh, uh, uncomfortable. Strenuous activity is quite uncomfortable. Uh, so, so there is a, a, a great limitation uh, uh, in the use of the masks. Um, uh, what about the ordinary paper masks? They are not very useful. They, 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 they are, I would say they are, they are not useful at all in the filtering of fine particulates. And, and besides, uh, for, for the uh, gaseous pollutants, the, the NOx uh, and so on, uh, uh, these kind of uh, filter-based, um, uh, uh, particulate-based uh, filters are totally useless. So basically, it's much more difficult to stop air pollution particulates than it is to stop COVID, right, with face masks? Certainly. And, and, and the, the, the lesson is that, well, I mean, it, 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 uh, in a control measure, what you need to do, the best thing is to control the source. Uh, now, when you're talking about face masks, you are, you are talking about control at the personal protection level that is the least effective and least efficient way. I mean, we're, we're just briefly talk about prevention um, and we're talking about like outdoors using masks. But what about indoors though, uh, Dr. Wong? Will air purifiers with, um, you know, the HEPA filters, will they, will they work as well? Should you oh, keep, should sure. you, sorry, should you keep your windows closed um, and just mm. use the aircon, which is going to add to the pollution as well? But. Uh, sure, it, it will help a lot. Uh, in fact, there is, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, my colleague, uh, Professor Alexis Lau in Hong Kong University of Science and Technology has done uh, quite comprehensive studies on the 
the infiltration part. So they've been, what they've been doing is that, uh, what the team has been doing is that uh, they compare, they, 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 they took lots of measurements uh, in various places, homes, uh, factories, offices, uh, motor vehicles, uh, public transport, and so on. And then they compare the, the, the outdoor and indoor uh, level uh, of uh, various pollutants. And they found that, well, the, uh, the amount of penetration is quite high compared to what's been reported in other countries. And, uh, and also, uh, the, um, uh, the, the use of uh, devices, like, for example, even air conditioners, They've got to do this, okay? And uh, also, um, air purifiers. Air purifiers, they do help a lot in uh, reducing the the uh, level of particulates and other pollutants in the in the microenvironment, in the in the in the, the specific environment where you you have these gadgets. How about that specific point? Should we all be keeping our windows closed at all times at home? It depends on where you live. <laughs> See, it depends on where you live. I mean, you, 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 the, the downside of this is that the carbon dioxide level will go up. You see, that's generated by, by human. So, 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 I mean, you have to have some sort of balance between the, uh, the, uh, the two. Okay. Uh, well, you, you said it depends where you live. Very timely, actually. Uh, a email coming in from one of our listeners, uh, David. David says the air pollution in Happy Valley is particularly bad, caused by the artificial pitches. I've written to the Health and Cultural and Leisure and Services Department. So far, I have not received a uh, substantive response and uh, attaching correspondence with them. Um, Dr. Shan, uh, um, what's your I mean, prevention? Prevention is, is better at source, but um, in terms of what we should be doing as individuals to um, mitigate the risk, um, what are your suggestions? Well, I guess there are two things that uh, an individual can do immediately. First uh, is you don't smoke and encourage all your uh, uh, smoker friends not to smoke, to quit smoking, because cigarette um, tobacco smoking is also a source of uh, PM2.5, especially indoor, and affect indoors environment a lot. Uh, we are talking about uh, improving uh, uh, air pollution in mainland China, and I, I don't know if you know, uh, in mainland China, there are still a lot of restaurants that allow uh, people to smoke inside. Uh, sometimes they have petition, oh, this is smoking area, that's not a smoking area, but that's basically useless because the PM 2.5 can, can travel very far. All right, so um, encourage uh, uh, your smoker friends not to smoke, to quit smoking uh, is one thing, and not to smoke yourself. Second is cooking. Um, uh, some of uh, my colleagues at Baptist U earlier um, did uh, um, a very mini uh, uh, research, and they find that even if you cook uh, under strong fire of spicy food, uh, PM 2.5 can also uh, emerge. So uh, use more mild kind of smoking uh, and lower heat. Uh, don't fry too much. Don't, don't deep fry too much. And I think that will also help, uh, especially for uh, improving the microenvironment's uh, micro uh, air quality. Now, Dr. Chen, you bring a very good point. I mean, there's a lot of air pollution on the outdoors, but we also be we, we should also be aware <laughs> indoors as well. Yeah, they, they, well there's a lot of things to, to think about. Uh, yeah. uh, breathing them. 
Yeah. So, but, but my other question is, you know, we're talking about air pollution in terms of how it affects, you know, life expectancy in the human body. But really, air pollution also, you know, that contributes to global global uh, uh, warming as well, doesn't it? And that really, in the long term, affects us too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I think um, China should seriously consider um, an overhaul of its energy provision. I mean, if you move away from coal, uh, but uh, get more, uh, uh, rely more on green, uh, on natural gas, still there will be some. Uh, uh, um, it's, it's lower. Uh, polluting. Uh, it's less polluting, but it's still there. Is still some uh, pollution uh, and particulates are being generated. Uh, but if uh, China has uh, decided to uh, uh, develop its own green hydrogen um, technology, production technology, that is to use renewable energy source, which China has. All right, to uh, uh, to. Uh, 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 pass electric electricity uh, and convert the water uh, into hydrogen, that will be the cleanest form of energy. Uh, it's not just for uh, cleaning up the air, but it's also for uh, combating climate change. Just to finish off, when we've been talking about life expectancy throughout this whole program, it's worth remembering, of course, isn't it, that uh, Hong Kong has the highest life expectancy in the world. An average of uh, people in Hong Kong can expect to live to an average of 85.8 years, and that rises to 80.88.6 for, for women. Uh, so if, if, we, if we can tackle air, air pollution, I mean, people would be, average would rise into the 90s, wouldn't it, Dr. Shan? Well, I guess so, but... Uh Age, longevity is one thing, but being able to be healthy when you are old point, uh, yes. is another thing. All right, so it's it's really very important to encourage uh, the people around you to behave well, not to smoke and cook uh, with um, the propane method, and then of course you have to protect yourself as well. Uh, if um, the government is issuing uh, a bad ha- a bad air quality warning, is is uh, hazardous to to exercise outdoor, don't go out and exercise outdoor. All right, so some some of the things that we we can only. Uh, uh, self-protect ourselves uh, for the uh, for the outdoor one, right? We we can prod the government to do more, but um, but for the indoor sources, uh, that's what we can prevent. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we're going to have to draw this discussion to a close there. You just heard Dr. Shan, Shan Chung, who's a senior lecturer and program director for the Masters in Environmental and Public Health Management at Hong Kong Baptist University, also discussing uh, air pollution and the link with life expectancy. I was uh, Dr. Wong Zy, who's adjunct professor at the School of Public Health and Primary Care at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. And with us from the beginning of the show was uh, Patrick Fung, uh, CEO at Clean Air Network. Stay with us. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Gilly of Consumer Council. Happy birthday, LTHK, for your 95th anniversary. May I wish you always filled with positive energy, continue to discover and report accurate, impartial and objective consumer news for consumers to shop smartly every day. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 and have your say. 
Welcome back. In the closing section of uh, this morning's show, we're going to look at another alarming trend in Hong Kong, and that's um, short-sightedness, or myopia as it's called, among uh, young, um, young children in Hong Kong. Uh, Chinese university uh, researchers have conducted an, uh, another study. It's the latest, and it appears to be the latest in a series of studies, and found that um, instance of myopia, I, I believe, among uh, particularly among six-year-olds, is looking at the age group six to eight, um, has has risen substantially. In, um, in originally, they were recording twelve percent in. 2015 and now rising to 25% in uh, 2021. Uh, joining us uh, to discuss these findings and also what uh, parents can do to help um, prevent short-sightedness uh, among their children is uh, Dr. Zhang, Dr. Zhang uh, Shui-Zhan, who's a research assistant professor at the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at Chinese University of Hong Kong. Uh, good morning, Dr. Zhang. Welcome to Back Chat. Uh, good morning, good morning. Yeah. Thank, thank you for joining us. Maybe you could uh, just start by explaining uh, from your latest study, um, I think your team has done these studies before, but from your latest study, j- just how much how much worse is the situation now? Okay, thank you, thank you. I will introduce our uh, our latest studies. And uh, during, during COVID-19 pandemic, we observed the uh, myopia children increase. So based on this observation, we conducted a study. And in this study, we include uh, uh, Hong Kong children aged 6 to 8 years old from uh, 20, uh, 2015 to 20, uh, 20, 21. And uh, uh, a total of 20,000 children were included in this study. And we found that uh, myopia increased uh, in 2020 and 2021. As we know, in 2021, the uh, restriction of COVID-19 is lifted, but uh, the myopia prevalence did not return to the uh, level of pre-COVID-19. And we also give the children the questionnaire for their lifestyles, such as the outdoor activity uh, and uh, near work time and the screen time. And as we know, during COVID-19 and the children, uh, the, the, the school was closed and the children moved to the digital learning uh, at home. So uh, the screen time is increased very much. So we, we gave the questionnaire to uh, collect the information of uh, children's lifestyle. And we found during um, the du- during 2015 to 2019, uh, the screen time is uh, stable. Uh, but uh, in 2020, it increased very much. Uh, and in 2021, uh, it did not to, to return back. Uh, that con- corresponds to the myopia prevalence. For myopia prevalence, as I mentioned, uh, from 2025 to, uh, for, from 2015 to uh, 19, it's very stable. It's around uh, 20%, 24%. Um, but uh, after that, it increased. Uh, so, so it's basically about screen time, isn't it? Uh, in the end, that, that, that seems to be the main... Uh, young children are spending more time, whether it's on phones, tablets or computers, they're spending more time on, on that, um, and they started spending more time during COVID, and they've continued after COVID, and 
looks like this is going to be a, a long-term trend. Is that, is that what you're worried about, Dr. Zhang? Yes, we, we, worry, we worry about this because uh, at, at first we think after COVID-19, uh, maybe uh, the life uh, returned to normal and the children's lifestyle will, will also return to normal too. But uh, uh, the, the fact is, is, is not like this and the children's screen time is Come, uh, uh, screen time continued uh, to a high level. Uh, did not turn, return back to the pre COVID nineteen. I think it's very difficult. I mean, whether whether we like it or not, technology is here to stay, and children will be, you know, have some screen time involved. Um, so, as well as decreasing screen time, you know, in schools and at home, what are the other things that you know the schools and parents can do to to help? Uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> I think for for the for prevent for prevention of myopia, uh, uh, building a healthy uh, habit is very important. So we encourage the uh, <clears throat> encourage the children to 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 have the outdoor activity time, um, two, two hours a day, and uh, <clears throat> also fourteen hours a week, and it's very. Uh, very good to 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 the uh, children's health, and uh, we we also uh, in, encourage children and and uh, and the, their parents to limit it, to to limit the reading time no more than uh, thirty minutes in one go. What's interesting to me is actually. Obviously, during COVID, we see an increase in children getting a myopia, but even pre-COVID. There is less, but compared to you know the rest of the world, it's still quite high, isn't it? You know, what what are the reasons for that pre-COVID? Uh, yes, yes, it's a very important question. Uh, uh, I think it's two reasons. The first is uh, the form, the habits is difficult to change. So during the COVID nineteen um, uh, pandemic, children uh, children have the habit to uh, to. Uh, Staying to stay at home and uh, use a lot of uh, iPhone, iPad, and uh, this habit is was formed and it's difficult to change. Is the first reason, and second reason is uh, now uh, we we more and more, <coughs> yes, yes, more and more and more uh, uh, screen. Uh, screen learning is established in school. So I think it's another reason, yeah. Now, many parents listening this morning, can you give them some advice? What is the most dangerous age? What is the ages, uh, ages they really should be watching out for their children's eyesight most closely? Uh, you, you, well, what is the what, what is the age where I mean, your study was six to eight year olds. What is the age where it, it's it's most serious? Where um, if children's eyesight deteriorates? Oh, thank you. Because uh, the children aged six to eight years old is easy to su- suffer myopia. So we invited the children with this age group. So uh, all ages is important, but you'd say that parents, particularly uh, ages six to eight, they should be watching their children more closely at that stage? Yes, yes. One of the other things, though, when a child gets myopia, in the long, in the long run, it also leads to other complications, doesn't it? Like glaucoma, yes. yeah. 
Yes, it's it's uh, high, uh, especially high myopia. It can it's, uh, can induce a lot of eye complications, such as glaucoma, macular degeneration, cataract, and retinal detachment. So okay. it's very severe. Thank you very much. Uh, we are going to have to call it to a close there. And thank very much, uh, uh, Dr. Jung, who is joining us uh, to uh, discuss this serious issue about uh, myopia among young Hong Kong children. Uh, thank you also very much to uh, Philip, my uh, co-host. Um, uh, up tomorrow will be uh, Janice and Rainbow with uh, Backchat. So uh, join us again tomorrow.